Hey everyone, my name is Justin Elliott and welcome back to another episode of the Better Questions, Better Life podcast. On this podcast, I look to answer a simple yet powerful question. How can we ask better questions to live a better life? Now, for those of you joining us for the first time, this podcast is broken into two sections. The first section is where I take this idea about how we can ask better questions to live a better life and break it down into smaller bite-sized topics where we can look at different strategies, tactics, and approaches to help you ask better questions to live a better life. The second part, which is going to be like today's episode, is a range of interviews from a, a variety of professionals who all really share one common bond. Their ability to do the jobs largely depends on their ability to ask good questions. So far, we've had qualitative researchers, data scientists, police officers, high-priced consultants, professional interviews, and a range of other top professionals, so we can learn how to ask questions like, say, a police detective or a researcher. As a quick side note as well, I'm just going through the process of booking in interviews, the next batch of them. Really excited to have some amazing professionals. And if there's somebody you think that I should interview, whether it be somebody you know or somebody you just have seen and you think they'd be really good to approach, feel free to reach out to me at the Better Questions, Better Life podcast website at betterquestionsbetterlife.co. Let me know and um, I'll make sure uh, either love an introduction or try to reach out to them. Obviously, if you haven't already, make sure you do hit that subscribe button so you don't miss out on future episodes where we're obviously going to continue to build on these concepts about how we can ask better questions to live a better life. As I mentioned, you can find a range of resources on the website at betterquestionsbetterlife.co, like I mentioned, uh, putting together a mailing list, you can find previous episodes, as well as some tips, resources, and a range of other really interesting things to help you ask better questions. Of course, I want to take a quick minute and thank the Better Questions, Better Life podcast sponsor, YZ. If you haven't already checked them out, please do so. It's an amazing company. Uh, YZ is the easy-to-use online trading software that makes it so simple to create and deliver online learning. So jump over to their website at yz.com. That's W-Y-Z-E-D.com to check out some videos and even get started with your own 14-day free trial. And I'm super excited because we're about to uh, launch a new website for YZ. Uh, so uh, even if you checked out the website and you thought there wasn't a very good website make sure you check it out soon it's going to be a lot better but with that being said we're going to get into today's interview and today is going to feature part two of the wonderful cheerily ryan now if you uh if you haven't already listened to part one that's okay um today's interview uh with cheerily it really jumps into a, a lot of other concepts and whatnot uh, but i do really recommend to get the best out of today's interview to pause maybe jump back to the previous episode uh links will be in the show notes so you can quickly find itunes and spotify links there or wherever you might be listening to your podcast you should be able to find it there uh cheerily was so generous with her time and when i came to editing the podcast i just didn't have the heart to take anything out because it is absolutely jam-packed with amazing content and part two is absolutely no exception to that so without further ado let's get into it in part two featuring cheerily ryan is there a process you go through to get into that mindset or to understand that particular person who might have that problem um, there's several things that you can do, but I think the number one thing that that um, you need to keep in mind going into any of these types of things is uh, design is not for you. So um, what we make is not for us. There's always a client. There's always someone who yeah. is going to be using it that is not you. Um, and 
you know, someone else owns it. Someone else pays for it. it do, you doesn't, find, do you find that hard? Do I? Yeah. So um, I've worked really, really, really hard to not be, to not struggle with it. When I was younger, I struggled with it deeply, incredibly deeply. I felt like, um, and, and I think that there's, there's a part of that that comes with, certainly with the, the advertising world, there's an ownership of ideas and an ownership of creative. This person did this and this person won this award and blah, 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 blah. Now I couldn't give a shit about awards. Um, I only care about work that works. Um, if you're not, if you make something and it does not do what it was intended to do for the imp- the people that it was intended for, you didn't do a very good job. So, um, how do you get into how do you get into the shoes of those people? There's multiple ways that you can do that. Um, certainly, questions and and interviews and things like that. That's one. That's that's one step. Um, you know. If if I could if I could and I think I said this before you know really living with the person that you're you're designing for really getting like to experience everything about what they do is absolutely the best way that I've ever had um, the the best results that I've had have come from that so um, it could be anything from um, you know going to the place that the thing is taking place and spending days and days and days <laughs> observing and looking and talking to people and doing the job yourself and trying it out. Or sometimes you bring it to you. So um, I did a, a project uh, for a telco um, a couple of years back and I it was in particular the people – it was around um, the installation of um, your – home internet and, and so forth. <laughs> Something everybody's probably had an yeah. experience with. Yeah. yeah. And so I had um, two of the technicians who do that come and work with me for eight weeks. Wow. Every day. Yeah. And so um, I didn't just walk in their shoes, they walked in mine. And in actual fact, that's that's my biggest trick. Mm. Um, so, you know, when I was younger, I used to I used to try my heart out to come up with ideas and I'd literally like kill myself to try to to try to come up with something. And then I realized, and it was it was actually when I studied architecture that I realized that that was just ridiculous to do that. Um, in architecture, uh, every building that is made, every structure that's made will have precedents. Precedents are usually a set of um, of of examples from other buildings that have been made before. And um, it might be it might be a small thing. It might be a window detail or a facade, which is not that small, but um, but anyway, um, so it'll have these examples and you draw from those examples to Im- and improve on them um, to to create whatever it is that you're creating. And I realized that um, I I was never going to be able to come up with, you know, ideas on my own shoulders every time. I it, it was it was too much. It was too hard. It was too much of a responsibility and they didn't belong to me anyway. So I started to realize that I could just farm that out to other people. And, um, and one, if you do that, uh, people get really invested. So it's really great because you can, you can help them to, to develop their ideas, but they'll hang on to it, which is great with when you're working with clients because it's really important and they mm. know their work. I mean, ultimately they know their organization and their 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 context better than I could ever 
know it. So that brings me to the other point, I guess, is that, um, you know, you can walk in someone else's shoes, but I like to allow people to walk in mine. Um, and it's much easier for me to transfer my, not my entire skill set, but enough of my skill set to someone else to help them to contribute to the design process. So you can like identify what, what particular skills or techniques or mindset do they need and then take that out of your toolbox, hand it to them and allow them in their role as the service technician or whatever yeah. to then amalgamate that in and to look at what they do through sort of your lens in That's that right. particular person. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I would, I, it, we've described it before as swapping shoes um, because, you know, look, it's, it's a little bit like this, right? I'm a design expert. I don't really know how to do anything else. I've never had an, I've never had another job except five minutes at McDonald's when I was a kid. Um, <laughs> so I've always been a designer. Um I am not an expert in anything else. Um, I'm not a banking expert. I'm not a government expert. I'm not. A, I'm not even a technology expert. Um, uh, I'm a design expert. Um, and when I work with clients, um, they are experts in their domain. So it could be a bank. It could be a telco. It could be anything. Um, but they are their own experts. Um, oftentimes, in the past people came to designers and said, we need you to make a thing. Um, but now it, it's a little different. Um, it's it's not really about making a thing. It's actually about, or me going away into a room and sitting there and, you know, coming up with an idea for <laughs> Whiteboarding something. Whiteboarding this magical sort of yeah. you know, solution. It's actually about, um, about getting those people to be involved in the design process much more deeply than they have ever before. Mm. And, um, and that's when you really, really get great outcomes. And that's a, it's, it's so much more than, than, um, than just, I guess, only asking questions. It's about immersing them in, um, in what it is that you're, or what it is that they're trying to do. In fact, um, again, holding that mirror up, um, you know, uh, going beyond that, um, you know, I've had clients before say, um, I remember very distinctly one saying, this is the first time that I've ever gotten to go and meet with the people that we've been making things for when you take them down this path. And so it's, it's, it's really important to, to go further and to, um, you know, without sounding like a cliche, show, not tell. Yeah. You know, like take them by the hand and take them to – you'd be surprised about how many people don't actually get out and see how the things that they are that they are working towards in their organisation are being used yeah. in the real world. Like they well, just don't do it. I, th I think what you said there, I mean, to kind of – in my own experience, people get – they, they get there's a there's a, they need to solve a problem and they get really married to the solution and not the problem and then what i've seen is ego gets involved and all of a sudden this person starts to feel like that's that's theirs that's their solution that they're trying to solve kind of thing and it becomes really hard to start to break that down to say okay well again who are you, are you trying to solve it for yourself or are you trying to solve it for the, the customers the clients the people that actually matter in this particular context or for your ego yeah, or for the ego. Mm -hmm. So having that, I mean, I love that too, being able to lead with curiosity. I mean, to me, 
curiosity is one of the most one of the cornerstones of asking questions is about curiosity and keep exploring it and keep trying to uncover it and and being curious about the problem and and trying to even if you are if you're finding your ego is getting set in and i've i've been guilty of it i've i've stepped away from a particular thing and gone oh this looks fantastic this is gonna work amazing and when it doesn't work it's like well it's because the client's an idiot it's like no it's probably it's back on me kind of thing but I suppose for yourself, I mean, as you work with uh, with junior designers and, and people within your team, are there certain strategies that you try to impart on them to try to try to lead them towards said what you've kind of talked about and not about the owning the idea and not about the awards, but about solving making the problem, work. making it work? Are there strategies you try to help people? Um, well, if, I mean, so it's funny because... Um, Rather than so, rather than me focusing on asking questions, the whole the, the better thing to do is focus on trying to make other people more curious. So if I can leave breadcrumbs to help mm. to help get to that, that's very helpful. Do you so, have an example of what that might look like? <laughs> well, it depends on the context, but um, but like I said, you know, I'm a I, I'm a I'm a walking talking provocation like i you know i walk into a room and people start going whoa, whoa why is she here quick get, get hold your handbags um no that's not a, that's not a joke uh, <laughs> uh i once one the one time it sticks out in my mind i was working late at the office once this is a while ago and uh I, and it was very late and the cleaner came up to me and said what are you doing here do you have a pass and i was like yep yep i sure do uh anyway so um what I try to do is, you know, is provoke. Um, so I, and it, you know, and that's, that is not an easy job because trying to challenge all the time makes people think that you are mm, difficult, adversarial, yeah, yeah. Um, that you're, that you're hostile, that you're, um, that you're, you're a bitch, <laughs> that you're um, not collaborative. Um, when in actual fact, like, most of the time, if I'm being, if I'm being, um, if I'm trying to provoke, it's on purpose. I'm not doing it to be a jerk. I'm doing it because I'm trying to enact a reaction. Um, so, uh, in general, the first thing to do is get people out of their comfort zone. Um, so, uh, I'll give you an example that happened just recently at work, um, with the team. Um, uh, I, they we needed to get them to work in a different way and um rather than having them continue sitting at the at at their same desks i and they're probably going to listen to this and and they'll kill me um but um i pulled them all into a meeting room and i made them sit in there for two weeks all together sitting literally on top of each other having to work together because i needed i needed to be able to get them to work together in a different way and it worked almost instantly. Hmm. Um, but, you know, for example, if I'm working with a client, um, it might be that we create a working space where we all sit in there, which is not at their regular desks, um, changing the environment, yeah. um, changing the way that they are used to doing things. Um, you know, one of the best things that I'll hear people say is this isn't how we do things. Yeah. Um, perfect. This isn't, this isn't what we, we don't work this way. Great. Perfect. That's exactly what we need. Um, if, if, if this is not how you've worked before, then we are doing something right. Um, you know, it's so, we are so easily, um, easily pushed into conformity, Mm -hmm. you know, um, 
I was watching Survivor this week, like the new season of Survivor has started here in Australia, and just watching how quickly they all kind of gravitate towards each other and conform. And when you have someone, um, I, I can't think of what his name is. He's the guy that's won Survivor like three times in the US. Like I don't know. And he's a, I can't think of his name. Anyway. And he, of course, is not like that. And he just runs off and tries to find the idol all the time. And everybody else is freaking out. Oh, my God, he's trying to find the <laughs> idol. It's like, dude, there's like $250,000 million on the line. Yeah. I'm going to go find yeah. the idol. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Like, And I don't care if anybody says that I'm a backstabber or like, hello, it's yeah. a game. Um, you know, people conform so quickly. They they gravitate towards each other and, and that's safety in numbers, I suppose. Um, you know, it, it's, it's very hard to go against the grain. Um, you know, change isn't hard. Having to change when you are forced to change, that is hard because nobody wants to be forced into change. Um, change isn't, in itself isn't hard at all. We change every single day. We do things, we figure out new ways of doing things all the time when we want to. When we don't want to, that's what's hard. So um, it when you're – and, I, I mean, I, I guess I spend a lot of time um, getting people to do these things and, and orchestrating that. Um, so, you know, for me it's it, – whilst I think, you know, whilst there is a part about um, me being curious, sure, um, that's, that's a part of it, but actually it's about fostering curiosity in others. If I can provoke them to do something that they haven't done before, them to ask the questions instead of me, um, that's when I know that it's working and I'm doing something right. Mm-hmm. I, I love that. It, it, it reminds me, um, I interviewed uh, Andrew McKinnon, who runs Two Boo Group, actually just up the road from where we're chatting here today. And one of the things I took out of his interview was he talked about how he likes to shake shit up. And so constantly trying to cause some disruption disruption in his life when things kind of got settled he uses a tool to keep make sure that he wasn't getting in that comfort zone he wasn't just sitting um you know the same status quo his job was to constantly be changing things and changing his team but he needed to shake shit up for himself as well so even you talked about you know when you work with a team or a client changing their environment i think even personally if you're trying to solve a problem i think it's the einstein quote or maybe it's attributed to einstein that the problem that that was it the the thinking that caused the problem isn't the thinking it's going to help solve the solution. So even for yourself individually, how can you maybe change things for your physical environment to start to change, you know, your thinking around how can you solve this solution? It's, it's, it makes, it reminds me of um, this thing that um, my, my best friend, Nicole DeBull, she's a designer as well. And she, she lives in New York and I mean, we've worked together um, on and off for the last 20 years. We've worked at several different places together and now we live in the same building in New York. It's hilarious. <laughs> anyway, um, so uh, she's quite, she's, you know, she's a yoga teacher as well and she's really into mindfulness and um, one of the activities that she would get us to do on some of our projects. So we, we, were, working, um, we were working on a big project in government in Australia. We were working in Canberra and um, – and we would do these laughing yoga exercises right in the middle of the office. And we would, we would, so there's, oh, so there's this one, this one activity, it's the laughing activity. So what you do is that you have to, you, you all stand around in a circle and um, you, each person goes through the circle and you have to do a funny laugh. So you might do a French laugh, like, or you might do a snort, you know, 
Um, and then the, everybody else has to go around this, or we, well, you just, you all have to repeat it. So everybody starts doing the laugh and then the next person does their laugh and so on. And, um, you do that in an open plan office in a government environment at like, you know, 10 AM in the morning yeah. and everybody's looking over the top of their cubicle, like, <laughs> what are they doing? And it's not, it's, it's, it's not just about, you know, oftentimes we, we're sort of focused on oh, we've got to do this thing, this project, whatever it is. Um, but in actual fact, um, you know, there's also if just doing one project and changing, maybe maybe influencing those people a little bit is mm. great. But in reality, if you're working in a big organisation, you need to get flow on through the organisation. So, um, you know, by doing an activity like that, People start talking around the water cooler. Word spreads very quickly that yeah. there's a group of people doing some weird, <laughs> weird shit. Weird laughs in yeah. the office. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and so, you know, or they're playing with Lego or they're doing that. Da, da, da. You know, so it's not always just about, um, about the result that you have with the people who are directly involved with what you're doing. There's an indirect um impact that you have on the people that are further afield that, that then it starts to spread. Oh, well, if they're using Lego, then we want to... I suppose my last question for you, and just keeping an eye on time, because I know you got to get back into the office this morning, is I suppose looking back uh, on your career, and, and, and whether it be personally or professionally, um, is there one question that has served you really well um, that you keep coming back to time and time again? Mm, that's tough. Um... <laughs> um... So I'll, I'll give you an example, stall for time for a sec, mm -hmm. but I've talked about a few on the podcast, but but one I kind of mentioned earlier, uh, and it came up in a previous interview with Michael Ellis, is sometimes instead of looking at, if you're trying to solve a problem, or you're looking at something you're trying, yeah, problem you're trying to solve, a lot of the times the, the default response is trying to add something on. I need to lose weight. Okay, well, I need to go to the gym, or I need to go sign up for all these classes kind of thing. But sometimes, kind of like we spoke about earlier, maybe look at why why haven't you um, why haven't you lost the weight? Just or what's what's causing you to, to do that? Stopping you? Yeah, yeah. So maybe it's just you're you're just buying the wrong food. Well, maybe if you just bought different food, we have you go shopping anyways. It's not an extra activity um, that could start to change things. Or um, you know, maybe it's just people in your life. Maybe you're going to the pub on Friday night and smashing a whole bunch of beers kind of thing right looking at just those little things in your life what can you remove instead of adding on um it's a really powerful question because again you instead of just piling more and more shit on um and eventually you're gonna get tired and it's gonna break so you want to go to the gym uh, what things can you remove or, or or what things can you maybe swap out kind of thing so um <laughs> i probably i probably look at it a little bit differently like so if there was if there was one thing that I could go back and ask myself um, about various things that I've done um, it, and it maybe it's a bit bleak but um, it would be uh, maybe twofold um, am I going to be proud of this and does it matter uh, you know am I going to look back you know, when I'm when I'm when I'm old and grey, and you know, someone has to change my diaper for me, am I going to look back on this and go, "Fuck yes, that was awesome," um, or am I not even going to remember it at all? Because if it's not a fuck yeah, then it's a hell no. 
And um, Ooh, Derek Sivers. <laughs> um, I think, uh, you know, we spend a lot of time worrying about things that are pretty insignificant overall. And if we were to measure, um, if we were to measure everything on, on how we would feel about it, you know, at the end of our lives, um, you know, maybe we would spend our time differently. Maybe we wouldn't worry so much about, you know, whether we have to go to all those meetings um, Mm -hmm. and go to the gym instead. Um, You know what I mean? I think that um, we spend a lot of time um, focusing on things that don't really matter. And uh, and that is a very difficult thing to manage um, because there's a lot of people who are around us that – that uh, that have expectations um, on us, or they put expectations on us, or we or we have our own expectations as a result um, that we have to do things. And um, you know, and again, I think by being willing to say why up front, um, you might be able to answer the um, "Am I proud of this?" later, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Gee, this has been an, an, an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for your time and your insights. Um, this has been, yeah, an absolutely amazing, enriching conversation. I suppose just for people listening, is there uh, different ways they can stay up to, uh, up to up to speed on all the things that you're doing? So definitely the best way to get in contact with me is to connect on LinkedIn. I love connecting with people on LinkedIn because I think everybody who I connect with on there has something to offer and I will sure as hell try to offer you something in return. Um, so that's absolutely the, the best place to get in contact with me. And I too have my own podcast uh, with <laughs> Um, Jerry Scullion uh, and that is this is HCD so if you're interested in learning more about human-centered design jump on the this is HCD website www.thisishcd.com fantastic and I'll make sure I include all the links in the show notes your episode episode 15 of uh, HCD as well too uh, was absolutely fantastic and and there was a whole sort of a a whole chain of questioning I had gone through just in terms (laughs) about looking at kind of what you mentioned on the end but does it matter is is it really important and and the whole element of service design it certainly got me thinking a lot about what I do and everything and and casting a new kind of question and a lens across a lot of the stuff I do and there's some really uncomfortable answers I know that I kind of came up with and be certainly focused focusing on the notice, uh, those in the next couple of weeks. But Chi, thank you so much again for your time and uh, I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Hey everyone, thank you so much again for listening to today's episode. Just remember, if you want to join in on the conversation, make sure you jump over to the social media handles. You're going to find us at Better Questions, Better Life on Facebook, Instagram, BQBL underscore on the Twitter. Of course, you can make sure you jump into the hashtag BQBL. Of course, you can check out our website at betterquestionsbetterlife.co. And I obviously, I want to take a quick minute again and thank our sponsor, YZ. Make sure you get started with your own 14-day free trial at yz.com. That's W-Y-Z-E-D.com. With that being said, speak to you next time.